Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me, if you would, please, and cup your hand, hold your Bible, your iPad, whatever you have, your iPhone, hold it up, say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to take a moment here and do my typical standard annual I hate the fair. Um, just so you know, there's not one thing good that I can think of. Now, I know that I get pushed back all the time. People may even leave the church, but let me just tell you something. They come into town, suck the money out, and leave. All right, so there you go. I always take heat for it, so I thought, why stop now? Uh, today is a very, very important day. Uh, every week is. But this is a signature message of mine. And uh, it's one that I could preach without notes, standing on my head, juggling chainsaws. That's how much it's a part of my life. Um, a lot of people say things and, and they say, well, I didn't really mean it. Or I'm just kidding. And words have the power to either build up or tear down. Uh, and, and there's life and death in the power of what we say. And now, a lot of people, religious people, hate this because they don't really believe that our words matter so much. But the Bible says that in one translation, God speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they've already passed. Or he speaks of those things that are not as though they were. We need to understand that our words actually frame our future. Our words frame the outcome of our lives. And you can argue all you want, but eventually, if you talk to yourself in a right way, you will follow the words that you speak. And so this is a very, very important day because uh, we're living in a time where we are listening to bad news every day. It's being crammed down our throats on all social media platforms. If you watch television, it's being forced upon us. And, and the reality is that God will never be outdone. And we have to keep these words that in, the, in the, you know, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Our pathway is lit up. If you seem to be walking in the dark, I can help you with that as well. That if you will walk in the light, you will love your brothers, you'll love your sisters, the light of God will shine on your life. Uh, we don't have to live in the darkness. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in doubt. But our words begin to convince ourselves that things are not going to get better. Woe is me. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I don't really care about all that. What I do know is this. God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And the power that raised him from the dead lives in us. He said if that's the case, it will quicken our mortal bodies. Let me say this. The latter will be greater than the former. Did I show up at First Baptist War Acres? What? Y'all act like this. Well, you know, hey. Jeez. Sorry, 
passing out Red Bulls at 9.30. Y'all got to get up and make it happen, okay? I don't like, I don't like quiet church, man. It's like if I did, I'd be Presbyterian. I'm just going to go ahead and irritate everybody today. My next one's going to be Lutheran, Methodist, and all the others. Yeah. So the reality is that I hear people all the time say things, and, and then I, I'm, I'm a kidder. I like to laugh, and, and, and the gift of sarcasm has always been on me. But I've, I've realized using it really is not helpful makes me feel better my flesh feels great when I shred somebody but it's my flesh it's not the spirit of God and so I've had to realize this became my signature message when I realized I'm not afraid to to say what is happening Jesus himself said in the world you have tribulation take courage I've overcome the world but he didn't stop at we got tribulation he said don't worry about it in, in other words I'm not asking you to deny the facts I'm just hoping that you will speak over the facts because the facts are subject to change when we surrender them to God and now you know there are all kinds of questions that people have when they they're resistant to a message like this uh you know so and so died this happened I still lost my job but you know what everything that happens is a setup instead of a setback God is setting us up for something better now you say well if somebody dies oh that's the ultimate better now it doesn't mean that we're not going to miss somebody but the reality is we can't even for a moment fathom what heaven might look like because we'd pass out and so it's it's all i'm saying is this is you and i have the opportunity to shape the future of our lives every moment in life's not great but god is always great and he's greater than every moment and so God can change things in an instance where, and people don't even know why. I was listening to Joel a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about them trying to get uh, the old Rockets arena. And I was around when they were uh, talking to them when they were trying to get it. And there was one city council member, they needed his vote. And he had already communicated he was not going to vote in favor of them getting it. And uh, out of the blue, an aunt of his called and he was a Jewish man and and said look I want you to vote yes for this church to get this I mean and nobody had talked to her she just I, I don't know how she came up with it long story short he voted in favor they ended up getting it now Lakewood Church is on one of the busiest highways in America but they never gave up hope and Joel never quit declaring God's promises we must never give in when things are getting at their darkest point, when you feel like you're at the very end, don't ever quit. God will never quit on us. So turn your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 1. This is interesting because the Gospels, when the Gospels were written, there was, it was called the intertestamental period from Malachi to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was called the intertestamental period. And for 400 years, Israel was used to hearing God in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But for 400 years, God was silent. That there was nothing written. It was as though God didn't exist in that, that period of time uh, because he just wasn't addressing his people. So now, introduce the Gospels. And this is what it says. And if you go back to the original language uh, that this was written in, in the Greek, 
It says, in the beginning was the Word. Well, we, we know, as capital W, in the beginning it was Jesus. Jesus was the Word, became flesh, and dwelled among us. But here's, here's what's key in, in the original language. That means divine expression, and the root word is to break silence. So all of a sudden, after 400 years, in the beginning was the Word, was God breaking His silence, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. I don't know how many of you have ever had moments where God was not speaking. I took a sabbatical in 2009, had not done that. I would preach five and six times every weekend. I was exhausted. Finally decided I needed some time away just to, to ponder and, and really seek the Lord and, and just read and pray and rest. Well, it started in uh, the 1st of June. It was going to go through the end of August, summertime. And for the first two months, not only did God not say anything to me, I had tried to get some rest. I had flown to an island to, to rest, and when I landed, got off the plane, went to the grocery store to pick up some groceries, I get a call that my best friend's son had died in a single car accident at 17 years old. I had just landed in paradise, and immediately I got on a plane, got back on a plane, flew straight to Austin to participate in officiating the funeral, and this was my sabbatical. And I'm thinking, not only is God not speaking, bad things are happening. Finally, upon visiting my mom and dad, who were then alive in, in uh, Tulsa, driving home, I said, God, I said, it has been two months I committed to hear you, and you haven't said a word. I called him out. I was like, God, i got to hear something. And he, he began to speak to me. I mean, it was very, I was on the turnpike between Tulsa and Oklahoma City. And when I say speak, this impression, because I'm like, God, I, I don't know if you want me to be here. I don't know how long you want me to be here. And all of a sudden, he gives me this scripture verse in Isaiah where Hezekiah is about to die. When God shows up, he kind of has a sense of humor. Because that's, that's the scripture. He's, all of a sudden, he speaks to me. He says, I said, but God, Hezekiah is dying. And he said, but Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, cried out to me, and I extended his life by 15 more years. Now, it may have been more than that, but at least 15 that we know of. And he said, I'm giving you 15 more years in Oklahoma City. Well, it wasn't like God saying, that's all you've got, but it was letting me know you're not done. Have any of you ever felt like you were done? I thought I was done. I was tired. I'd been doing this a long time. And i got to tell you, church people can be mean. How many of you know that? That's why a lot of people don't come to church, because this is mean. You know what I'm saying? And, and they're mean in the name of God. <laughs> you know, they, they, anytime somebody uses God, all of a sudden that trumps everything else. Well, I'm just not mean, and I don't like mean. I like nice. I like grace. I like love. I like mercy. It doesn't mean that you don't have those moments. But, but the reality is, pastors, especially when I had 10,000, you know, people that called at home, Somebody always has an opinion. Have you ever noticed somebody's always got an opinion? It's, it's, I, I would hate being an NFL player because there are more quarterbacks sitting at home weighing 380 pounds 
in an easy chair that can do better than the kid that's all shredded. You know, everybody's got an opinion and think they can do better. And so you get to this place in ministry where you just kind of go, I'm just tired of dealing with people because the challenge is sometimes you just want to look at them and say, you know, let's just go out in the parking lot and do this like we used to. That's what you feel like sometimes. That's just what it feels like. And I know that, you know, you're not supposed to say that, but then I started getting this idea of getting in the Word and saying, hold on, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to speak the Word. Greater is He who's in me than He is in the world. And that really confuses people when you start using good Scripture. Not like the wrath of God is coming upon you, you know, something like that. I grew up in one of those churches, and I thought, well, if it is, I'm going to have a lot more fun out there than you are in here. Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season and so we, we we know that to be true so we have to fight against that and so George Mueller said this about God's word and the reason I'm saying this is some people say well I, I, I don't read the Bible I don't listen to the Bible I don't and, and it's not like you're, you're going to hell for not you're just going to experience hell here because you don't have the weapons you need to defend yourself and one of those weapons is the power of your speech. One of the greatest weapons we have is what we say. So when people get negative around me or they start talking about somebody else, I just shut up. And then there are times if it keeps up, I speak up. Because I don't want to hear it. It's not like you're a bad person if that's what you do. But, you know, people say, well, I'm just venting. Well, go throw up on somebody else. I don't want to hear it. Because, you know what, everyone in here is created in the image and likeness of God. All of you watching online, created in the image and likeness of God. We all have an, an unbelievable ability to be stupid. Now, I didn't say we are. I said we have the ability to be. You can cancel stupid by using the Bible. And see, so when I used to read the Bible, I didn't know why. I just thought if you read the Bible, that God would be impressed. I thought, let me impress God. When God looks down and I'm reading the Bible, he's going to be all happy with me. Can I say something to you? God's happy with you all the time. You're not a mistake. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you never pick up the Bible, God cannot love you anymore. Now, picking up the Bible is a weapon that helps us, but it doesn't impress God. God said, I've given you this tool. I've given you this as a weapon or a tool to, so, so that you can live your life in a healthy, fashionable way without getting beat up all the time. Nobody told me that for years after I got born again. But Mueller says, the vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and in our thoughts. So, what is the first thing that comes to you when you're in a challenge? Is it a witty thought, a witty comment, a sarcastic comment, or is it what does the Bible say about this? Now, I wish I could say I'm 100% on that, but a lot of times when somebody's talking to me, I'm just going to throw the Bible out there because it's the only thing I know that is really that really gives us any hope. I mean, and, and so I'm going to declare what the Bible says. So what I've always said, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me will be refuted. Though my enemies come at me from one direction, the Bible says they flee in seven. So, it, I mean, I'm, I'm, I live, have lived most of my ministry life, as most pastors have, under attack. I've received threats. 
I've received invitations to satanic worship experiences with the cards burned around the edge. You, you have no idea what a lot of pastors go through. You just have no idea what ministers go through. It looks easy. Well, they stand up on Sunday morning, they preach 30, 35 minutes, and that's all they ever do. No, we deal with hell the rest of the week. And then it gets to the pinnacle on Saturday night before you get ready to preach on Sunday. I just have to declare, I have two choices on Saturday. That I can, I declare I can live on less sleep than any other night of the week. Or I can start declaring, God, I'm going to sleep well. I mean, because you just don't. Your mind is reeling. You're, you're fighting against thoughts. You're thinking, is this really what I want to say tomorrow? We all have those moments where we're questioning why we are experiencing what we are experiencing. And how are we going to address that? So I've just resolved I'm not going to let it steal my joy. How many of you know you can lose sleep without losing joy? Some of you depend on your sleep to have a good day tomorrow, and I, I believe in resting well. I believe in, But the reality is that even without the rest, I can know the peace and power of God. You say, well, I'm just tired all the time. I'm energized by the Holy Spirit all the time. Every now and then, Susan says, you usually fly all the time. And I, I still fly a lot. And uh, so, well, you know, don't you get tired? I'm thinking if some frail little flight attendant can do this three days a week, I can do this more than her. <laughs> Come on, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> There's just no reason to excuse yourself to be less than. When when you have a God who is more than enough. But it's our choice. The minute you start telling yourself to be happy, get happy, and you start talking happy to yourself, you're going to be a happy person. And right now, if you're a sour person, you're having a hard time with the sugar that I'm dealing right now. Because there are people who just, I don't believe that. I just believe things happen. And I have a right to be sad, mad, and unglad. You sure do, sourpuss. You can be all those things that you want to be, but just go to the bathroom and do it. Because I don't want to hear it, don't want to see it. So if on the way out you don't like me, wait till you get to the restaurant and talk about me. The best way to send an idea said, a scientist by the name of J. Robert Oppenheimer, is to wrap it up in a person. The theological word for all that is incarnation, meaning in the flesh. Jesus was the incarnation of God. Jesus was the way that God sent his idea to humanity. There was and is no better way. Thoughts, ideas, and words are best communicated through the flesh of mankind. As, they, as God used Jesus, now Jesus uses us. If somebody's not being who you want them to be, this is my word to Susan all the time. If you're expecting somebody to be something they're not, then you may be asking them to do something they can't. Don't ever ask a fish to climb a tree. Their habitat is in the water. They excel. They swim. They do. That's where they are at their best. 
Some people are not at their best, not because they're not capable or qualified, they're just in the wrong place. And so rather than speaking to who they're not in the place they're not supposed to be, speak to who they can be and get them into the place where they can excel. I was a youth pastor in Tulsa. We had about 1,000 kids. It was, it, it was really a nightmare. Everybody thought, I want to have a huge youth group. I'm thinking, you really don't. You become a cop. You're not a youth pastor. It's like, okay, I said sit down and shut up. <laughs> what part of this don't you understand? No, I, I literally had police officers. I was one of the only youth pastors. I had police officers everywhere because we had fights every week. And I had one bus driver because we had to bus the kids. We were busing from all over Tulsa. And we had this huge auditorium, and, and we were reaching a lot of kids. But I had one bus driver that, how many of you know it's just fun when, when you can get to somebody? How many know kids excel at this? They know the buttons. And so they would push this bus driver's button, one of my bus drivers, and, and he would just always come to me on Monday. I got to get these kids out of these kids. And he'd show up the next week and do it again. Finally, one day, I, I, he came into my office, and I asked him the question. I said, can I just ask you something? He said, sure. I said, what do you really want to do with your life? Because I thought, this is torment on everybody. And he said, you know, I've always wanted to be a missionary. I said, really? I said, that's interesting. I said, why don't you let me hook you up with the missions department here? I got rid of him without telling him you're sorry. I just transferred him to the water that he should swim in. I was asking him to climb a tree. Come to find out, he wanted a pond. Sometimes all you have to do is not criticize what a person's not doing, but find out what the person wants to do and help them get there. Instead of trying to make them into your image and your likeness and what you want them to be, find the right people. Is it easy? Not all the time. And sometimes God will send people to you to make you better. I hate it when he does that. It's all right. We're going to see how you handle rebellion here. I don't want to, God. I want to kill him. And he knows that. He said, but I don't want you to want to kill him. I want you to help him. So I have to begin to change. I believe everyone has what I call a power spot. I believe everyone on earth has a place where they will find the divine power of God at higher levels than in most other places. For years, I would think about doing something other than pastoring a church. For years. I thought, I'm going to go do stand-up comedy. Because everybody's drunk, and it's really easy to make drunk people laugh. That's the reason most sober people don't laugh at comedians, because they're used to playing to drunk crowds. Oh, that was so funny. You won't even remember where you were tomorrow. And I thought, that's cool. I can make people laugh when they're sober. What, what happened? I mean, I could be a rock star when they're drunk. Move over, Ron White. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, this is hard. I mean, you know, you got to stand up here. And I thought, you know, and most of the time pastors think I got to say it the right way. I don't even worry about that anymore. I figure it's going to land on you, and you can sort it out. That's not my job. <laughs> However that sucker lands on you, take it to Jesus. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. It's like goulash. <laughs> you don't even know what's in there. 
my favorite scripture laughter is good medicine I try to overdose every day I just believe that there's not enough laughter in the world there's too much seriousness there's too much sourness there's too much meanness there's too much hate and I think if we could just help people rise above that by saying you know what you don't have to let somebody else's opinion of you or attitude about you adjust your life I mean you don't have to fight every fight I'm learning how to be quiet which is nothing short of a Red Sea miracle I mean I'm just telling you for me to not have a response it's like the Jordan at flood stage I mean I just I'm gifted with responses I didn't say any of them were good or right I'm just gifted with them I can stir things up just like anybody else matter of fact my spoon's probably bigger than yours I can just stir the problem Luke said now I commit to God and to the word or Jesus of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all of the sanctified the word builds up and sometimes I say stuff about people that they're not even close to where I say they are but if I say it I'm pulling on them to get to that place now you don't want to tell a kid who can't play baseball he can play baseball you just got to be honest with him say go find another pond I'm asking you to climb a tree there was a kid I played ball with early on in my life and he was second baseman because he didn't have much of an arm but his dad wanted him to play baseball so bad he was sending him all these camps we were all so poor we just we learned to play out in the sticks and pastures you know we were playing around everywhere but this kid was really no good at all he couldn't run he couldn't really field well he had no arm but his dad was sending him to all the baseball camps I guess they had money I don't know but he was never going to be a baseball player and so at some point, you know, and this is hard as a parent, you kind of go, well, how can I steer my kid? You know, what do you like better? What do you want to? Because so often we don't move toward our destiny. We move towards celebrity. What would make me a celebrity? What would make me well-known? What would make me, give me some notoriety? I have a friend who's an incredible. Uh, 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 I have several friends who are really multi-talented. And I've told them before, I said, you know, if you can, and this is how, what I was told when I went into ministry, if you can do anything else but preach, go do it. Which means I probably suck at about everything else. Because <laughs> I can't even begin to think of what I might want to do besides this. This is my pond. This is my ocean. And, and I, I had one of them, I said, man, you're so good at this. Why don't you... Quit trying to be a pastor. You can work from home in your pajamas. Come on, Jesus. You can do all these things, and yet you want to preach. Why do you want to preach? I mean, I didn't want to come back here, honestly. My flesh did not want to come back here. I was living on an island. Come on, somebody. I, I, could, I am the ultimate beach bum. And, and so I, I'm thinking, and when God calls me back here, I'm just going, Really? You would think that you'd be driving to get back to that place, and I'm thinking, man, I'm just really happy right now. Now, don't get me wrong. I love what I'm doing now, and I enjoy it, but there, there is a part of me that was going, this could be cool. How many of you know that? Can you imagine having a little tiki hut? No, let me, okay, I'm moving right along. Here we go. 
Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God, the broken silence of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So think before you speak. Don't speak before you think. The Bible says that we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You need to silence the prisoners of your soul. Every one of us has something that we're battling, thoughts that, that don't help us. Matter of fact, thoughts that will drag us down like tying a cinder block on somebody's leg and throwing them in the deep end of the pool. Could you still get out? Yeah, but you're going to have a hard time. You're carrying a weight that you're not called to carry. The Bible says to cast every care upon the Lord because he cares for us. So if you're carrying something around that's weighing you down, you need to give it to God. And there are things I've been giving to God for most of my life that, that you say, well, it's a one-time deal. No, it's an every day, every moment it comes your way deal. And sometimes I have to say it out loud and you know, I have, to, I have to speak the word over the words of mine. So it's, this exchange is I'm exchanging what I want to think, what I want to believe, and what I want to say for what God thinks, what God says I should believe, and what I ought to say. Now, there's a prophetic side that we read the Bible, and there are warnings in the Bible. There are things that tell us, you know, what to do, what not to do that we need to be careful to be sure that we measure those things. Now, I'm going to get to point one this morning. That was the introduction. I just didn't want to scare you all. When the preacher, when I was a kid and I thought, oh, God, this is going to be a long morning. You know, and in those days they had one service of the preacher. He just preached till he was tired. We were all tired long before he was. So I just gave you that tidbit because I want you to know I'm very aware of time. Some of y'all want to go eat deep-fried ice cream. Who came up with that idea other than a carny? Hey, I think we can deep-fry something that's going to kill you. They deep-fry everything, man. I'm telling you, don't stand there too long. They'll have you in there. Look, deep-fried human beings. Okay, so. <laughs> that was gross. I don't know where that came from. They'll try it, though. I promise you. They're, they're leaving town. They don't care. Their fingerprints don't match anything. They've already rubbed those off. They're gone. You're not going to find them anywhere unless you want to go turn over rocks. Anyway, so Isaiah 55, 11, always come back to the word. It is our salvation. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. God is saying, anytime you quote my word, it always produces fruit. Now, you could plant an apple seed today. You're not going to see an apple tree tomorrow. It takes time and cultivation, watering, fertilizing. That's what you continue to do when you use God's word. You don't just sow it once. You water it with confession every day. 
Nobody taught me this stuff until I'd been a Christian for a while. I thought, now it makes sense why you'd read the Bible. Never made sense before because have you ever read Leviticus? Go try it sometime. But bring milk. It's dry. I mean, not every book in the Bible you're going, oh, that was so delicious. No, I mean, some of this stuff you're going, why would he put that in there? But we use the Bible. It, it produces fruit. So when I say, I speak to the mountain and say, be moved from here to there, and I believe in my heart God said that he'll do it, I'm going to say, God, you told me you would. If a thief's caught stealing, they have to pay back seven times. If you've ever been stolen from, you've ever, you say, well, maybe not directly, but you don't know who the thief is. He may be invisible. Maybe the devil himself stealing from you. Hold it. You're going to pay back seven times. He said, well, what does it matter if I say that? It matters a lot. God's going, without faith, it's impossible to please me. And he didn't say, think about the mountain, meditate on it, wish it be gone. He said, speak to it. You've got to speak to those things. Got to speak to those things. Some of y'all complaining, griping. If you've got a stupid boss, pray for the stupid boss. Don't look and say, I hate my job. My boss is so dumb. You need to go. One of two things is going to happen. He's going to stop being dumb or I'm going to get a new one. I can't lose. And God help him. God bless him. Well, nobody wants to bless somebody like that. I had to learn that lesson when I was in college. I had a professor that was Humpty Dumpty. Couldn't stand him. I was a theology major. I'm going to the ministry. I hate my professor. I never said I hated him, but I felt it. And God had put in my heart, he said, this guy was building a house. And God says, I want you to go help him on Saturdays. I thought, seriously? That's a stretch. You don't even like him. No, I'm just kidding. I was so confused. But what God was teaching me is, you don't do something just because you want to or you like the person. You do it because that's what I told you to do, and you begin to speak the word. Long story short, he and I became great friends. You see, I had prejudged him. It wasn't his fault. It was my fault. And God said, there's a friend. I've given him to you. He's available, but you've resisted. Now, start changing. See, the problem is we want everybody else to change to fit our need versus changing to fit theirs. What I found in my life, I can't change you, but I can change me. I can change the way I think about you. I can change the way I talk to you. I can change. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to address. I'm not going to compromise uh, making you better. The Bible says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. So I do believe there are times of sharpening. But if people's communication with you it's punitive and not redemptive, then you might not want to have those conversations. If somebody wants to punish you, I, I, all the time people say, what's the difference in punishment and discipline? Punishment says, I want you to experience shame and pain. Discipline says, I want you to experience a suffering that will make you better. In other words, I'm going to disciple you, discipline, disciple. I'm going to teach you how to become better. I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to have pain. That's why I'm going to teach you. But most people just want to punish other people. You hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you back. There's no win for anybody in that scenario. There is no win. 
The only win we have is to try to figure out a way to turn this thing around so that it's redemptive. It's made better. It's bought back. It's somebody's changed because you changed, and they saw your change, and then they say, I want what they have. You get more out of people by inspiring something in them than requiring something of them. This is why leadership is so critical. Managers require things. Leaders inspire things. What are you inspiring in others? Are you speaking to who they can become? Or are you just requiring them to show up and do what you want them to do? Inspiration takes a little more time, takes a whole lot more faith. Because if you're managing somebody and you're requiring something of them, doesn't mean you don't terminate them, but the end result is you want everybody to get better because they've been around you. And that comes by declaring the Word of God. I still haven't got to point one, so i got to be done. And this message, I, you do not want to miss the next few weeks. I, I just promise you, this, this is a word, and I'll just give you a heads up. And you can take notes, and you can go home and study this yourself. Number one, I'm going to talk about the hiding word next week. The Bible says, David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What is hidden in your heart? Because whatever's hidden in your heart will eventually come out. So if you hide his word in your heart, it will keep you from sinning against him. The second point that I will expound on at later date uh, is the abiding word. He said, "If, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So the abiding word, after you've hidden the word to keep you from sinning, the abiding word empowers you to ask what you will. If that word abides in you, he said it will be done for you. The problem isn't God isn't answering prayer. The problem is we may not be praying the way that is most productive, which is when you pray his word, He said, if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Your delight connects you to his desire, not your desire. That's delighting yourself in the Lord. Said, God, I desire this, but I'm delighting myself in you. And now, rather than praying that God will bless what you're asking for, find out what he's blessing and step into it. Sometimes we ask God to bless something. He says, i got a better blessing for you. So if I answer your prayer for that blessing, you're going to miss out on a greater blessing because you're asking for your blessing and not what I'm already blessing. Don't ask me to say it again. Third word is the guiding word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Then there's the deciding word, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. That at some point, when you get really built up from just hiding the word in your heart to prevent sin from taking over, and now all of a sudden the word begins to abide in you, and you begin to pray according to his word, he said, I'll give you that. Then he said, not only will I give that to you, but now instead of walking in darkness, the guiding word, which is the light into my feet and the lamp to my path, he said, now you'll walk in the light. Once you do that, guess what? The confidence comes and you no longer waver in how you think or, or live. You now have the deciding word living in you that there's no question. Like some of you watching right now, you'll go to the fair and not be afraid of COVID, but dear God, COVID is all over this place. Don't get me started, it's too late. No, it it amazes me that that we we say, are we going to church? You didn't ask yourself if you're going to the stinking deep fried fair. 
You knew before it ever scheduled you were going. You had a deciding point, a word. And yet we have people, eh, you know, are we going to church today? That was never a question in my house. My mother didn't say, you guys want to go tomorrow? Get out of bed, knucklehead. I ain't mad at nobody. I'm just telling you, if you want to get better, you can't just float the spiritual lazy river. Okay. We should pray. God, you're an awesome God. So grateful for you. and Lord, I'm just thankful that you knew who we were going to be before we were ever born. You gave us options. You gave us a free will. We certainly make decisions that don't always glorify you. But you are always glorified just in our being and our creation. You're an awesome God. And Lord, I, I know that your word changes things. And Lord, we're going to be talking about the power of your word in the weeks to come. And, and Lord, we're going to change. Not because you we think you'll love us more because you can't you are love it's not about that it's about us experiencing more of your power more of your peace more of your joy because we align ourselves with your word we align ourselves with your character we align ourselves with you with every head bowed every eye closed it all begins by putting your faith in the risen Savior Jesus Christ and the Bible says that we confess with our mouth. Again, it's declaring the salvation of God. Now, if you say, well, I can't speak because there are people who aren't, then God knows that. But those of us who can speak need to open our mouths and pray the prayer that says, I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God. I believe in you. So I want all of you in here to pray this with me and all of you watching online. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only Son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I'm a believer. I put my trust in you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, watching online or in-house, text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Rowe. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.